Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. You are looking lovely tonight, very much. Well, I can see some of you. Some of you guys are kind of shrouded in darkness back there, but that's kind of the theme of the day. We'll get to that. Uh, we are going to start with a little bit of audience participation, and so I know there are a few kids in here, and so I've got a question for the kids. Kids, raise your hand if you are at all afraid of the dark. Any kids in here afraid of the dark? Maybe. I see, a, I see some adults raising their hands as well. We've got some adults afraid of the dark. Uh, I would love to know, kids, I want you to shout it out. What is it about the dark that makes you scared? What are some things that, what's that? I heard something. Go ahead. What? Monsters. What would you guys say up there? Demons. Oof. All right. Yeah. Yes. Totally. What else? What else are we scared of in the dark? The unknown. Guys, this is like deeply existential. I'm loving this. Last service, someone said snakes, which that was the new one for me, and clowns, which I'm, I do agree, darkness clowns are the worst. And you know, you're walking through your room and it's dark and there's a clown, you're just like, come on, you know, you wanna take it out. There's a lot of things to be afraid of in the dark, okay? And here's what I want you to know. This fear of the dark is actually nothing new. This is not something that has, has uh, just come upon us in the modern era. People have always felt this way, including the people who wrote the Bible. You might be surprised, but even back in the day, in the ancient world, people were afraid of the dark, and their world was actually a really dark place. Now, they, that's what we're going to talk about today. The, the biblical authors, uh, our spiritual ancestors, they also were afraid of the dark, but they had a message that they wanted us to hear. They wanted their spiritual descendants to understand that, yes, we do have a dark world, but we don't have to be afraid of living in the darkness because the light has come. The light has come. All month, we've been talking here at Grace about different names of Jesus. We have this sermon series called No Other Name, and we're talking about you know, his identity as the Prince of Peace and as the Son of God and Alpha and Omega. What do these names say about our Savior? And I think it's a great thing to do at Christmas time, and today's no exception because we are going to talk the, the birth of our Savior Jesus, who is the light of the world, the light of the world. Before we do that, though, let's pray together. Father God, thank you, thank you for uh, bringing us to this time together. Whether we're in this room, whether we're online, we are grateful that we can worship, uh, worship your son as one. I pray, Father, that as we consider what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly, that we would hear your voice. I pray that in these, these moments that I would just disappear and that your Holy Spirit would remain. And most of all, God, I pray that we would all leave this time changed because of what we've heard from you. So would you make us attentive to your voice in these, in these moments together, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, so to begin talking about this whole concept of the light of the world, what I want to do is look at a passage of scripture that was actually written a long time before Jesus was born. I mean, we're talking like 700 years before Jesus was born. It's a, a passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, and Isaiah lived at a time in Israel, in the, the nation of Israel, when things were very dark. Now, they weren't scared of, you know, like, well, maybe they were scared of some of that existential stuff, but they weren't scared of like monsters under their bed. What they were scared of, the darkness around them, were very real issues like poverty, like, like famine, like hunger and, and injustice. There were these big powerful nations around them like Egypt and Assyria and Babylon that were always threatening to invade. And so the people of Israel very often lived in what felt like significant darkness. 
And it was common in Israel for people to have a sense of hopelessness because the darkness seemed so all-consuming. It seemed like there was no hope. There was no way out of it. And I know that the problems that we face today in our modern world are often a lot different than what they faced back then. But I think we can all relate to that feeling of hopelessness sometimes, can't we? That feeling that like, I don't know if our world is going to get any better. I don't know if our divided country is going to ever heal. I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to get that job. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the bills. I don't know if I'm ever going to find friends at school. We can all relate to that sense of hopelessness that comes when we live in a very dark world. So what I would like for you to hear today is what I think our spiritual ancestors wanted us to hear as well, which is this. Even though it feels like there's no hope, even though we maybe live in a very dark world, maybe even though it feels like nighttime, the dawn is coming soon. That was the hope the Israelites held on to hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 9 of Isaiah. He says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Then he goes on a, a little bit later. He says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Isaiah says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. You see, the Israelites held on to this hope. In the midst of the darkness, one day a king would come. And when that king came, when this, this, this leader would emerge, the things that kept Israel shrouded in darkness, like war and, and, and injustice and famine, those things would be no more. That was the hope that they held on to. A child would be born who would grow up to be the light of the world, the light that would shine. A king who would rule the world with peace and justice and life forever. This was the hope that sustained Israel through many long, dark nights. The king will come. The king will come, and with him, the light will dawn. There's just one problem with that. Nobody knew when it was going to happen. Like, nobody had any idea. When, when would the, the light finally dawn? People waited for year after year, uh, century after century, generation after generation after generation. People wondered, when is this going to happen? When will this king be born? And I'm sure by the time of the, the first century, I imagine there were plenty of people in Israel who might have been starting to give up hope, thinking, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. But then, but then, in the very small town of Bethlehem, a child was born to us. A son was given to us. You see, that first Christmas morning, the long-awaited king was born, and the light of the world began to shine. All right, I got another question for you kids. I want to know, we talked about the darkness before. Let's talk about the light. What is it that makes the light so good? Like the sun. Why do we like the sun? What, shout it out. What's something good about the sun? It's warm. I agree with that. I could use some warmth right now. What else? It's bright and it makes, yeah, it makes everything bright. We can see stuff. Why else do we like the sun, kids? We can see. That's a great response. What did you guys say back there? 
It reminds you of heaven. I'm telling you guys, we've got some deep thinkers here. I love this. This is good. One more. What else? Why do we like the sun? What's that? Vitamin D. That, okay, that's the last one. That is perfect. We love vitamin D, guys. It is a valuable, valuable uh, nutrient. Okay, guys, that is amazing. Yeah, the light is good. We love the sun. Think about how much happier we are talking about vitamin D and, and being able to see compared to, like, I don't know, clowns and monsters, right? This is, the sun is a good thing. The sun and light in general brings warmth. It brings safety. You know, you can, you can feel safe in the light and it makes things grow. I didn't hear any kids. Maybe you did shout it out and I missed it, but photosynthesis, right? It makes plants happen. It makes things grow. If I had to sum it all up, here's what I would say. Light brings life. Light brings life. And so it makes sense to me, at least, that, that light would be a really powerful metaphor that the biblical authors would use to describe what God does in the world, right? God brings light. He brings life. He makes, things, uh, he makes things come alive, which is why, again, Isaiah says, to those who walk in darkness, they'll see a great light. Well, it also makes a lot of sense to me why in the New Testament, the, the uh, disciples of Jesus, the apostles, why they would use this exact same metaphor to understand who Jesus was, what he had, had become what he was here to do. Because think about what Jesus brought. Just like the sun, just like light, Jesus brought the warmth of love and relationships, right? He brought the, the safety of knowing that, that we're not alone, that God is with us at all times. And he brought, he brought uh, life. He defeated death. He brought eternal life to humanity. It's now possible for us. So it makes sense that the, the followers of Jesus would see him and understand him as the light of the world. Here's how the Apostle John puts it. At the beginning of his gospel in John, uh, John says this, uh, and see if you can hear any echoes of what we read in Isaiah earlier in this. He said this, the Word, that's Jesus, the Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's about Jesus. Now, what that means to me, according to John, is that on that first Christmas morning when Jesus Christ was born, something changed in the world. The world was different in a fundamental way. According to John, again, the light of the world was now here, and the darkness could never extinguish it, as he said. Now, this raises an interesting question for me because, okay, things have fundamentally changed. Why is the world still broken? Why is, the, why is there still darkness in the world if Jesus came? Why is it still broken and dark? Well, and that's a, that's a fair question, but here's how, I would, here's how I would respond to that question. Think about what has begun because of the coming of Jesus. Think about what has begun spreading into our world. What's happened because he's here? For one thing, lives have been changed. For years, ever since that day that he was born, the light has been spreading. People have found healing, justice, has started to push back against injustice in so many ways. I know there's still injustice, but you look at what, what Christ's followers have done and you can see justice is really truly happening in our world in ways that it never had before. And most of all, the forces of darkness, the forces of darkness like death and despair and, and uh, isolation and hate and violence, those forces are starting to realize that they're fighting a losing battle. They're fighting a losing battle. The sun is rising. 
And so to answer that question, why, are we, why is the world still dark? Is because something began with the birth of Jesus. It will be completed someday, and we are still in the middle of that story. That's why it's still happening. But to use another metaphor, we talked about Jesus as the king, right? Well, the kingdom of God since that day has been breaking into our world. And our king, who is, you know, mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, he's the light of the world. He's on the throne. Isaiah's prophecy, in other words, has come true. It's begun. Jesus brings life to the world because he is the light of the world. That is what began on Christmas morning. Now, okay, that's nice to think about, right? That's neat. Great. Okay. But there's a big question I think is important to ask at this point. So what? So what? I mean, genuinely, what? It's nice. Jesus is the light of the world. What does this have to do with my life, right? What, how, how does this affect me? How does this affect you? It's, that's the question. Like I said, our world is still dark. There's still plenty of darkness. Life is difficult. There are bullies in school. There's poverty. There's disease. It does not feel sometimes like the Prince of Peace is on the throne. So if all this stuff about Jesus is true, if the world really did change in a fundamental way on Christmas morning, then how do you, how do you and I experience some of that? How do we actually start to, to, to experience the light of the world? Well, to answer that, I want to look just a little bit farther in the Gospel of John, in, in chapter 8, where Jesus himself is answering that question. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. Hmm. So you won't have to walk in darkness if you follow me. Follow me. What, is, what does that mean? Well, to follow Jesus, I guess it would mean going where he goes, right? Following him would mean doing what he does, uh, taking an interest in the things that he cares about. Uh, following him is essentially stopping what we're thinking about doing and going and doing what he's thinking about doing. Or to put it another way, following Jesus means taking the hand, our hands off of the controls of our life and saying, no, I'm going to go where he goes. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to, you know, we, we've all got plans, right? We've all got plans of what we're going to do in our life to, to make things better, to, to fix the darkness, things that we're going to, we're going to do or be or, or things we want to accomplish. Jesus is saying, no, look, give that up. Give up those plans. Follow me, and you won't just be stumbling around in the darkness trying to fix things yourself. You'll be walking in the light, and what he promised is, when you're walking in the light with me, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to shape you. I'm going to transform you so that you can begin to live a light-filled life. That's his promise. And I'm going to tell you, I've experienced that in my life. I'm not a perfect Christian. I make a lot of mistakes. I'm still a sinful, broken person. But the more that I follow Jesus, the more that I have given up my plans and given myself over to surrendering to him, the more I have experienced all of the light that we've been talking about. But I'll be, I'll be honest, it can be a little scary to do this, to, to, to put your trust in someone else instead of yourself. It is a leap of faith to, to depend on Jesus instead of yourself, to depend on him for your identity, to depend on him for your safety, for your provision. That, that takes trust. It takes faith. It is scary. But Jesus made a promise. And again, I have experienced this, and I know many of you have experienced this too. 
If you follow me, Jesus says, you will not have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. It's a promise that Jesus made, but the only way you can find out for sure is if you put it to the test. If you take that leap, if you try it out. The light of the world came on Christmas morning, beaming into the darkness. And ever since that moment, Jesus Christ has been unbreaking the world. But you've got a choice. Do you keep stumbling around in the darkness, trying to fix the brokenness and the darkness yourself? Or do you follow him, the one who brought hope and healing and life into our world? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You don't have to be afraid of the dark anymore. Jesus said, follow me. Let's pray. Well, Father, we're grateful that you would choose to enter into our world, that you would send your son to become one of us, to show us that there is a different way to live. I know, Father, for my own selfishness, my own uh, brokenness, I know how hard it can be to fully trust in you and to truly take that leap of faith and to, to give our lives over and put our lives in your hands. And yet, Father, I know because I've tasted it, I've seen, I've, I know what's possible when we surrender. And so my prayer, Father, is that we would take our hands off the controls of our life, especially as we go into a new year, that we would make a commitment to follow Jesus, to follow the light of the world so we're not just stumbling around in the dark, but walking in the light. Father, with your Holy Spirit's power, would you, would you give us all a glimpse of what our next step of faith is? What is our next leap of faith that you want us to take? And Father, would you give us the courage to take it? I pray this in the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. Wow. Uh, I know you probably thought you were done with me. Uh, <laughs> give me a second. A little bit. We're almost done. All right, we're almost there. I would like, as we kind of conclude our service, and before we finish, before we light our candles, before we go home and celebrate, I've got to say one more thing about this whole concept of the light of the world. And frankly, to me, it's, it's kind of the most surprising twist of all. This is the thing that I, I can't really wrap my mind around. I'm pretty, my mind is boggled because of it. But here we go. Let me explain this. Remember that I was talking about the people of Israel waiting for centuries, right? Centuries for their king to come, for the light of the world to shine. And with Jesus, it was clear that the light did shine. The light of the world was here. Those who followed him experienced joy and, and healing and life and peace. He was the light of the world, full stop. But one day, when Jesus had his followers all gathered around, he said something to them which is just bonkers. All right, here's what he said. He said, you, you are the light of the world. That's what he said in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world to his followers. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What in the world? Like, what, 
What are we talking about here? Jesus told his followers that they were the light of the world, that they were the ones who were going to give light to everybody, his followers. And remember, if, if you and I are followers of Jesus, he's talking about us here. We are the, the light of the world. We're not just walking in the light. In some way, according to Jesus, we are the light. This makes no sense. It doesn't. It makes no sense. It, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy talk because we are not worthy of being called the light of the world. Think about how, how sinful and broken and messed up and imperfect we still are. We are not the light. And yet, that's what Jesus said. You, my followers, are the light of the world. Again, I, it boggles my mind. Centuries of anticipation. People waiting for generation after generation for the light to come. And then finally, one day, the curtain opens and it's you standing there. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm the light of the world. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy. It seems ridiculous. Until, until you remember some of the other things that Jesus taught his followers. Until you remember that Jesus taught his followers, you are my body. Right? The church, his, the, the body of Christ. That's what we are. We are his hands and feet in the world, his body. He also told his followers, I am going to give you my spirit. And that's exactly what he did. So, okay, we are the body of Christ with the spirit of Christ within us. What that means is that Jesus lives through us. That's how we can be the light of the world. It's him through us. Think about what this means for you individually. Think about this in your life. If you are the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world and you've got Christ's spirit within you, empowering you, it means, it must mean that you can rise above the brokenness of who you are, your imperfections, because you are being empowered to do things that you could never do on your own. It's not your power, it's his power. You can do things that, like, that Christ showed us to do. This is part of following him. You can live, for example, empowered with self-giving love in a time of self-absorption like we're living in today. You, empowered by the spirit of Jesus, you can show compassion and, and generosity in a time of greed. You, empowered by the spirit, can demonstrate forgiveness and kindness and grace in a time of hatred. I've seen this happen all around the world, right? I've traveled. I've seen the local church living out its, its mission in so many different places, Kenya and Haiti. I've seen it in Ukraine. I've seen firsthand how our brothers and sisters of, in Christ in Ukraine are beacons of hope, shining Jesus' light into a very dark place. I've seen it all over the world, but my friends, I have also seen it here, right here in central Indiana. I know it's possible because I have seen it. Again, this has nothing to do with your innate abilities. It has nothing to do with your innate goodness. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ living through you, empowering you with his spirit. It's not your strength, it's his. But because of him, you can be a city on a hill. You can be a beacon of light showing our broken, dark world that another way of life is actually possible. There's another way to live. No longer wallowing in the darkness of our world, but walking in the light. You can do that. You can. Jesus is the light of the world, but guys, he shines through you. So this Christmas, I just want to leave you with this final encouragement. Our world is dark right now, right? I want you 
to go into that dark world and shine. Shine with joy. Shine with love. Shine with hope. Because it's not you shining, it's Jesus shining through you. It is a dark time. But the light of the world has come, and he shines through you.